Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis, from snowy Nashville. I hope all of you are having a fantastic start to your weekends, and I am here to make your weekend even better. A couple little things for an update. I'll be on Fox Bet Live here in about an hour and a half-ish. Uh, live on FS1, and then I will also be live on Sean Hannity tonight. Your boy never stops working. I appreciate all of you for supporting OutKick and uh, everything that we do. We had wildly over 10 million podcast downloads of the Clay and Buck show. Doesn't even count all of the podcast downloads for all of our other shows. Just talking about the radio show by itself one of the biggest radio show podcast audiences anywhere in the world. Thank you for that. And also, thank you for making the Clay and Buck Show as we start off the new year. We are number one in San Diego, Sacramento, Salt Lake City, Phoenix, Houston, Louisville, Birmingham, and uh, Memphis, as well as Raleigh and Milwaukee. From coast to coast, number one radio show from 12 to 3 Eastern, 11 to 2 Central, 10 to 1 Mountain, and 9 to Noon on the West Coast. All right, we got a lot to dive into. Going to give you my OutKick gambling picks for the six-pack. I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen in Georgia-Bama. But I want to start off, I don't know how many of you listened to what is a really important case that is going on right now. Supreme Court hearing a case on whether or not Joe Biden's COVID vaccine mandate for 84 million employees, two out of three people, employed in the private sector all over the country. If your employer has 100 or more people, you would theoretically be covered by this. I listened to the questioning this morning and I was blown away by the stupidity of Sonia Sotomayor, who famously referred to herself as a wise Latina. Uh, She was not wise in her questioning of the uh, lawyers in today's oral arguments. In particular, I'm going to pick on her and then I'm going to go over to Stephen Breyer. She said things that are 100 billion percent factually inaccurate. She said there were 100,000 kids with serious cases of COVID right now. It's not remotely true. There are right now only 116,000 people nationwide hospitalized with COVID of all ages and the vast majority of them are elderly if they have serious cases or obese. Hardly any of them are children and the vast majority, honestly, of those 116,000 people as even Fauci himself has acknowledged and Governor Kathy Hochul of New York, not exactly founts of regular factual information, They have acknowledged that there is a big difference between people who are hospitalized with COVID and hospitalized because of COVID. In other words, many people go in, let's say you're going in for a knee replacement. You might test positive for COVID. You count as a COVID hospitalization even though you didn't go to the hospital for COVID at all. You may be hospitalized because you're a pregnant mom who is about to give birth. They will test you for COVID you would test positive for COVID and be counted as a COVID hospitalization even though the only reason you're testing positive is because you're there to give birth and you otherwise have no idea that you would have COVID. This matters because how can you build a factually reliable opinion on COVID vaccine mandates 
when you are Judge Sonia Sotomayor and you are spreading a falsehood about 100,000 kids being hospitalized and or having severe cases of COVID right now. It's a lie. It is a 100 billion percent lie. It is a factual inaccuracy. Honestly, the Supreme Court should uh, fix this and issue a correction after the oral arguments. Also, she said, Judge Sonia Sotomayor did, among other idiocy, she said that Omicron was just as dangerous as Delta. It's not true. It's not remotely true. So far, the Omicron uh, uh, variant of Delta is a fraction as dangerous as Delta. This is widely discussed, widely understood by people all over the country. This is an unbelievable failure that a Supreme Court justice could believe that. It's not just that, by the way. Uh, Justice Stephen Breyer said, it's important to get this COVID vaccine mandate in place because right now there are around 750,000 cases a day. And if the vaccine mandate were allowed to exist, Judge Breyer said that we would immediately see those 750,000 cases a day cease to exist, which is a fundamental misunderstanding, one, of how long the vaccine process is, right? And two, 95% of people ages 65 and up are already vaccinated, uh, at least with one shot. 86% of people 18 and up are already vaccinated, at least with one shot. The vaccine is not ending COVID. In fact, we are setting all-time record highs despite the fact that the vast majority of the American public has listened to the Biden administration and Dr. Fauci and gone and gotten their vaccine. This is a big story because the left wing of the court believes things that are fundamentally untrue. And I would love to know behind the scenes, how does this happen? How does Sonia Sotomayor get that much wrong? How does uh, Justice Breyer get this much wrong? Let me give you a little story. When your boy was back in law school, I had a con law professor named Rebecca Brown. Very smart, former Supreme Court clerk. For those of you not familiar with how Supreme Court uh, clerkships work, every judge gets four Supreme Court clerks every year. There are only 36 of them. Those jobs are the most plum appointments for any law student who hopes to one day be a high-level appellate court judge. If you love the law and you want to be a judge one day, this is the pathway to that. It's also a pathway to teaching in law school, which is an incredible uh, job for lots of people to be able to get. So they're highly sought after, highly desirable, very difficult to get. Uh, Rebecca Brown was my law school professor, among others, uh, in con law at Vanderbilt University. She told me a story. I believe she was a clerk for Judge Souter. But she said one of the challenges of the Supreme Court, and I was thinking about this as I listened to the oral arguments, is many justices are not aware of what the larger universe is like. They are very cloistered. They are much older than typical. And she used an example. She said one night they were working late on cases and they decided to order pizza. And a bunch of the justices had no idea that you could just order a pizza and they would bring it to your house. They legitimately had not ever ordered pizza in their life. They didn't understand it. She said, Judge Souter, as the law clerks were sitting and eating pizza, working late night at the Supreme Court, as the law clerks were sitting there working, Judge Souter came in, and he said, oh, what are you guys eating? And he stopped and he looked at the pizza, and he said, 
what's on top of the pizza there? And uh, she walked over and she looked and she said, uh, the pizza, he said, are those tomatoes? And she said, no, Justice Souter, those are pepperonis. And Justice Souter had no idea that pepperoni pizza existed. And her analogy was there, this is a judge who is deciding the overwhelming law of the land and he doesn't even know that a pepperoni pizza exists. So it's an amazing analogy and story and it contextualizes at times how out of touch many justices are. And I was thinking about that because the clerks of Justice Sonia Sotomayor and of Stephen Breyer and of Elena Kagan as well have completely failed to prepare them. Now, I don't know if they didn't read their briefing materials. I don't know if they were totally unaware of what the facts of COVID actually are. But as a lawyer, I was embarrassed to hear the questions that Sonia Sotomayor was asking. As a lawyer, I was embarrassed to hear the questions that Stephen Breyer was asking. There are all sorts of legal rationales that you can accept. If you want to give the executive branch expansive authority to allow them to regulate every business in America with over 100 employees under OSHA, you can find the textual reason to do so, okay? I disagree with it. If I were on the Supreme Court right now, I would find that to be an overreaching uh, expansive authority. I would look at what the Senate did when the Senate said by a 52 to 48 verdict, uh, sorry, vote, they don't agree with the Biden vaccine mandate. I think it is overly expansive given the scope of OSHA power. I would put this in a similar vein as the CDC's attempt to extend an eviction moratorium. I don't believe it is within the scope of their power. I think the legislative branch would have to act in concert with the executive branch in order for this regulatory uh, agency, OSHA, to be able to have the authority to do this. But there is a method by which you can argue that should occur. But when your factual uh, basis is as wrong as Breyer, Kagan, and in particular Justice Sonia Sotomayor, it is impossible for me to believe that the foundation of your legal logic is sound when your facts are broken to me, this was an embarrassing day for the left wing of the Supreme Court. I believe that the overall vaccine mandate of, mandate of Joe Biden is going to be struck down. I hope that the court is going to have the testicular fortitude to do so uh, behind Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, John Roberts, uh, and, uh, and Alito. I hope that they are going to be brave enough to actually stand up to, and Kavanaugh, all of this uh, absurdity. But we know there are three votes on the left wing of the court basically to support Joe Biden saying or doing anything. And that's a little bit scary because the Constitution should stand for principle over party. And right now it doesn't sound like it is. All right, tomorrow, uh, sorry, Monday, Georgia going up against Alabama. Let me say this right off the top. Great news. If you are in New York and you are watching or listening to this right now, you can get $100 just for going to fanduel.com slash clay. Fanduel.com slash clay for New Yorkers. Many other states adding soon, but if you're a New Yorker, 
You get 100 bucks if you go sign up right now. FanDuel.com slash Clay. That is FanDuel.com slash Clay. Georgia Bama going on Monday. Giving you my picks early. We'll discuss it in great detail with the fade on Monday with Todd Furman. I am on Georgia. I think the Bulldogs win, cover, and I love the under. I think the final score in this game, Kirby Smart is finally going to get past Nick Saban. I believe the final score in this game is going to be 24 for the Georgia Bulldogs versus 17 for the Alabama Crimson Tide. 24 to 17, Georgia is my prediction. That is 41 total points. That is the under. That is the Georgia Bulldogs to cover. We'll have a special offer for you at fanduel.com slash clay starting tomorrow. Let me also give you my OutKick NFL six-pack. OutKick six-pack has been doing great so far this year. I am on the Broncos, the Packers, the Colts, sorry, the Broncos, the Lions, the Jags, the Titans, uh, the Steelers, and the Dolphins against the spread. Let me repeat that. OutKick NFL six-pack. I like the Broncos plus the points against the Chiefs. I like the Lions plus the points against the Packers. Jags plus the points against the Colts. Uh, Titans to cover on the road against the Texans. Steelers plus the points against the Ravens. And the Dolphins plus the points against the Patriots. One of the big challenges that is out here right now is figuring out who in the world is going to actually play for the final week of the regular season. Those are my picks uh, as we break them down in the OutKick NFL six-pack. Got an interesting story. Baker Mayfield may be about to demand a trade from the Cleveland Browns, which would mean that he has played his final game in Cleveland. There's stories out there about the relationship between Baker and Stefanski, his head coach. A lot of different players, not necessarily big fans of Baker Mayfield. And Mayfield not playing well. He's not going to play in the final week of the season. His fifth-year option has already been guaranteed now. Big money dollars coming in for Baker Mayfield. But it remains to be seen exactly how this relationship is ending. And also, who would trade for Baker Mayfield? Given what he is owed contractually, I would think it's almost impossible to trade Baker Mayfield unless the Browns are also including some sort of draft picks with him in order for somebody to be willing to take an over $20 million contract for a fifth-year contract with Baker Mayfield. To me, you just sit and wait uh, because Baker Mayfield's going to be a free agent in a year. If you really like him, you'll probably be able to get him for nothing. This is a mess for the Browns. It wouldn't surprise me if the Browns are going back into the draft in the first round to potentially get a new guy to replace Baker Mayfield as the quarterback in Cleveland. Uh, go, go figure. It's become a trend. We got new jobs numbers that came out early this morning. A lot of you waking up on Friday, uh, headed into work. 199,000 new jobs were, uh, were uh, created in the month of December. That is below the estimate of 422,000 jobs that was out there. Joe Biden's economic policies continue to be unable to meet already relatively low expectations that are being set. He created only 199,000 new jobs versus the 422,000 job estimate. 
there are, I believe the latest number is almost 12 million jobs that are available right now and we remain underemployed by several million people out there than we were when everything shut down for COVID nearly two years ago now. Also, right now there's very little discussion surrounding it, but the flight situation in this country is crazy. The number of plane flights that are being canceled, the number of uh, flights that are being delayed. My wife was out in Utah with our two youngest boys and it was impossible. It was impossible for her to fly out for three straight days out of Salt Lake City. Southwest kept canceling her flight. Uh, I know there are many people out there all over the country that are trying to travel as well. When I came back from Florida, we had a three-hour delay. It was a big mess. This is an ongoing debacle all over the country getting people in and out of airports, getting them able to fly. I think what's going on is so many flight attendants and uh, pilots are testing positive for Omicron that they aren't able to have fully staffed airplanes and they're not able, therefore, to fill all the obligations that they have. Southwest Airlines, which I fly all the time, a quarter of their flights effectively not being able to take off. This is a big mess in general. A couple of other things here. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but the January 6th uh, celebration, memorial, whatever you want to call it, that they had in the Capitol was an utter disgrace of a decision. And let me just say this. I have long argued, if you listen or watch or consume my products, that one of the biggest uh, abilities to succeed in life is just to be normal, right? I even sum it up, JBN, just be normal. And I will uh, epitomize that by saying, if you had a director of common sense in charge of the Democratic Party right now, while 330,000 kids are not able to go to school in Chicago, while there are tons of kids unable to go to school in Atlanta, Milwaukee, all different sorts of school districts all over the country, you would think that the Democratic Party would not spend all day on Capitol Hill doing a memorial service rendition of Hamilton and then you've got a candlelit vigil on the steps. The only person who died on January 6th was Ashley Babbitt. So are they giving a candlelit vigil, uh, the Democrats, to Ashley Babbitt? I guess that's nice. Otherwise, no one actually died. You had Kamala Harris comparing this to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor in one of the dumbest historical analogies I have ever seen. You need a director of common sense just to look everybody in the eyes and when somebody at the Democratic Party, it could be the Republican Party too, there's lots of stupidity in politics, comes in and says, hey, we're thinking about X. You need somebody who's going to look at them and say, yeah, it's a really bad idea. If the Democrats had come to me and they had said, hey, we're thinking about doing a Zoom version of Hamilton and then we're going to be outside with candlelit uh, step vigil How do you think that is going to play with the American public? I would say the American public is going to find you guys to be completely out of touch. And if they had come to me and said, hey, here's a draft of Kamala Harris's speech. We're comparing January 6th to Pearl Harbor and 9-11. How do you think that's going to play in the nation? I would have said this is the dumbest historical analogy I've ever heard. World War II started after Pearl Harbor. The war on terror started after 9-11. Thousands of people were killed 
in both of those incidents. One person was killed in the riots surrounding the United States Capitol on January 6th. These are not equivalencies. This is an insanely dumb analogy. If you want to make an analogy, probably the best analogy on Capitol Hill is the chaos Democrats unleashed surrounding Brett Kavanaugh's uh, uh, Supreme Court hearings in the Judiciary Committee, which turned into a complete sideshow because thousands of people stormed the Capitol and tried to shut down the Judiciary hearings because they were so terrified of Brett Kavanaugh. That's the reality. That's the best analogy if you want to draw one historically. No one's talking about that. You could also draw an analogy to all the BLM protests that took place over the entirety of the summer when you had tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people participating in mass protests that led to looting, rioting, burning down buildings, pillaging. That analogy's never made. Go figure. But the dumbest analogy I heard in the media and there may have been dumber ones, I may not have seen them, was Chuck Todd and Andrea Mitchell were discussing Joe Biden's speech and they actually said, and I want to read this to you because when I saw this, I could not actually believe it and I have it in front of me right here. Chuck Todd said, uh, uh, and this is crazy, Lincoln's election was more accepted than Biden's. Hold on a minute, okay? This is such historical stupidity that the history nerd in me has to just tee off here, all right? You can criticize me for a lot. I'm a history guy, history major. I absolutely love American history, okay? So if you have studied Abraham Lincoln's election in 1860 at all, which by the way, I have, okay? I wrote my, bragging a little bit here, I got my uh, thesis in my history major, I wrote on the 1864 presidential election, okay? I dove into Lincoln's election in 1860 and 1864. I wrote an entire thesis in college on the 1864 presidential election. So I've studied this pretty detailed, okay? Comparing Joe Biden in 2020 to Abraham Lincoln in 1860 and saying as Chuck Todd did and Andrea Mitchell agreed with him, Lincoln's election was more accepted than Joe Biden's is so dumb it makes my head hurt. Joe Biden was elected in 2020 and virtually nothing happened other than a small protest on January 6th, right? Relatively small protest. There were 75 million people who uh, voted for Donald Trump. Around 700 of them have been arrested mostly for trespassing Uh, as a protest against Joe Biden's election, okay? In 1860, the South seceded when Abraham Lincoln was elected as president. So the idea, as Joe Todd said, Chuck Todd said, that Lincoln's election was more accepted, it actually brought to bear the Civil War, okay? Abraham Lincoln was so afraid that he was going to be assassinated that they had to sneak him in to Washington, D.C. under cover of disguise. Let me repeat this. Coming in on the trains through Maryland, there were so many rumors that Lincoln was going to be assassinated that they had to sneak him in. So in 1860, you had a president 
whose election led directly to further states seceding and to the Civil War. And he was so in danger that he had had to be snuck into the Capitol, Washington, D.C., to be able to be inaugurated. Which do you think had greater issue of legitimacy, Abraham Lincoln in 1860 or Joe Biden in 2020? It's embarrassing for anyone with an audience to make the argument that Chuck Todd and Andrea Mitchell made. Worse than that, they said that Biden in 2020 was somehow creating a larger uh, conflict than any other election that we had ever seen. Excuse me? In 1824, I believe I am correct, the, uh, the uh, election went into the House of Representatives and was wildly controversial. In 1876, we had dueling slates of electors that were sent, and the only way that the election was resolved was by Reconstruction ending in the South. Both of those at a minimum, were way more controversial. You also had FDR running for re-election in the middle of World War II in 1944 with the question being whether the United States would stay committed to fighting World War II. And in 1864, Abraham Lincoln, what I wrote my thesis on, ran against George McClellan, formerly the lead general that was in charge of the Union Army with the question being between, ironically enough, the Republican Abraham Lincoln and the Democrat George McClellan, which of these policies are we going to follow? Will the war continue or not? And Lincoln's re-election was very much in doubt until Sherman took Atlanta in the fall of 1864 helping to ensure that Abraham Lincoln was elected. In fact, they also managed to bring back all of the soldiers so they could vote in all of these swing states and ensure that the soldiers were able to support Abraham Lincoln. So just study a little bit of history, Chuck Todd. Just study a little bit of history, Andrea Mitchell. Your stupidity in that argument comparing Biden and Lincoln is downright humiliating for you and indicative that you've never read an actual book about the Civil War or much of our American history in your lives. That is my dunk to end the week. Don't step to me on Civil War knowledge. Don't step to me on American historical knowledge because I am going to rise up all balls in the face, Scotty Pippen on Patrick Ewing style on you and crank a dunk right on you. Your boy knows history, among many other things, including sports gambling. Get your bets in, fanduel.com slash Clay. If you're a New Yorker, my name is Clay Travis. I'll be on uh, in about an hour on FS1, and then I'll be on Fox News tonight with Sean Hannity. I hope you all have fantastic weekends. Thanks for supporting OutKick, and thanks for being fantastic American Patriots. There's your history lesson for the day. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP.